Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Mel and I'm Trish and, and this, this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. Hi, 50-ishers. It's Mel and Trish. Welcome back to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and don't give a 50 like us. We would love you to continue to spread the word about our podcast and let your fellow 50-ishers know we exist. Share our podcast with your friends and encourage them to subscribe. Today, we're heading into the world of dating and relationships, and we are thrilled to be sharing the studio with dating and attraction coach, Jivani Blair West. You will remember we recently chatted to Jivani and her father, Dr. George Blair West, about their co-authored book, How to Make the Biggest Decision of Your Life, Unlocking the Secrets to a Healthy, Lasting Relationship. But today, we have Jivani all to ourselves. As a dating coach, Jivani specializes in teaching singles how to bypass superficial attraction strategies and focus on building the sustainable attraction needed to attract a high-quality partner and secure a satisfying long-term relationship. She has created her signature nine-week course, The Alchemy of Attraction, to help women aged 20 to 70 to develop their relationship wisdom and empower themselves to take action and find true love. Jivani, welcome back to the podcast. We've been so looking forward to today's chat because it's such a relevant topic for our age group. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here again. Oh, it's our pleasure and honour. Thank mm, you. Yeah, we're, we've been rubbing our hands <laughs> <We> together. <laughs> Ready for this one. Yeah, we have. We're just so fascinated by you and your journey. How does someone so young find a passion in this area to the point that it becomes a career? Mm. And I could imagine it would be such a rewarding one as well. Yeah, I do find it very rewarding and an honour. It's really awesome to have conversations with people about this really interesting area of life and to help them find success through relationships and dating. In my own journey, 
When I look back, I think it started probably in primary school. I was bullied in primary school. I had difficulty with relationships. What's their name, Tiffany? What's their name? Where are they? <laughs> I'm coming for them. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know, the maybe blessing. they've grown too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure they've grown too. Mm. But the blessing from it is, I think it's made me a lot more attuned to relationship dynamics and. I've always just been very curious in wanting to understand relationships better and build better relationships, whether it's friendships and then later relationships, mm. romantic relationships. And then the other side too is you've met my father. Yeah. Um, my mother's also a psychologist and she also specializes in relationships. So growing up, there were a lot of conversations around what brings people together and what pushes them apart and how to build a healthy relationship. And it's funny when you grow up in that environment, we all kind of tend to think that when we're kids that the family we grow up in is normal, right? And that mm. every mm. every family's having these conversations. It's right. normal, right? Yeah, sure. Mm. And it wasn't until I started dating and was in my late teens and early 20s that I realized so many people just hadn't had those conversations and there was a real lack of relationship education. And so often that turns into a case of the blind leading the blind and really bad dating advice being thrown around. Mm. So as I was on my own sort of odyssey of learning to understand relationships, I've had my heart broken. I've drawn a lot of this from my own experiences. From what I've learned from that, I, I decided I wanted to share that with people and help guide them through dating and relationships. You decided on that path and then what did you do? Yeah. So I studied life coaching through the Coaching Institute down in Melbourne and that was a really great starting point. At that stage, I hadn't actually decided that I wanted to be a relationship coach. I knew I wanted to be some sort of life coach. I was actually a yoga teacher before that and was very much interested in professional and spiritual development. And so as I was going through the course, one of my mentors was really suggesting to find a niche and decide what that niche is. And there were some prompting questions like, what influences have you grown up around? Mm. And mm. What, do, what do you find yourself really interested in? What do you read books about? And I found myself, I would often be reading books about relationship. I'd grown up in this family that often talked yeah, about it. an amazing dynamic to grow up in. People can study that, but you had it firsthand every night, just normal wouldn't you dinner love, conversation. Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall at Jimmy's <laughs> <laughs> family dinners oh, growing up? Yeah. That would have been interesting. But it is so interesting and I recall listening to another podcast and I think it was from a sex therapist and it, she was European and she talked about the difference in the dynamic between European and Western society in that talk of relationships and sexual activity, all of that is very, very normal and encouraged, whereas in the Western world it's a bit hush-hush and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, it just made sense. Like it is going to go on. It's yeah. part of life. We can't pretend that it's not it's going to happen. It's best to yeah. embrace it and chat about it so mm-hmm. everyone knows. Accept it. Yeah, mm. absolutely, because yeah. there was this big thing and this is a whole other podcast in itself where with all the social media, a lot of kids have got access to pornography and, mm. then, and then they go to start intimate relationships but they haven't learnt that that's not yeah. normal. Yeah. So, you know, you've got this whole issue. But so you yourself, <laughs> Jiveny, must have embarked on your dating, in, into your dating world with far more knowledge than your average 
17, 18, 19, 20-year-old. Yeah, it took me a while to realise that. And I think like most young 20-year-olds, I, at that stage, wasn't really willing to listen to my parents or ask them for advice. I was still like, (laughs) I'm going to figure this out by myself. You don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. But really... Well, you probably at that stage would have known more if you're anything like my 17-year-old daughter. (laughs) Yeah, I probably knew more than I thought that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Or more than the average person. Yeah. But still had to make my own mistakes. And I think getting my heart broken really catalyzed me wanting to really get serious about figuring out romantic relationships. For sure. Mm. I think some of those first heartbreaks can be some of the harshest as well. Oh, yeah. They're quite life-defining. I think it's important to get your heart broken once because otherwise you can't really understand love and relationships. But with my work, I'm really passionate about helping people avoid unnecessary heartbreak. So I think... It's important to go through it once, but we want to make sure that we're not repeating the same mistakes again and again. Oh, that's such an interesting topic, isn't but it? I think, a- you know, it's important to go through it, but it's important to have someone there giving you advice around it mm. that supports you mm. so you don't go through a whole downward spiral of self-worth and mm. battered confidence that you have somebody to say, like you just did, you need to go through that to learn. Yeah. That's yeah. part of life. That's what you're meant to be doing in your early years. Yeah, exactly. As mm. hard as it is. Shocking. <laughs> as much as it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So bad. <laughs> Tiffany, I've been poking around your website and I found that the more I learnt, the more interested I became because I was relating a lot of the information on your website to the friends in our friendship circle who were single. And you pose a lot of questions on there. And one of them is, do you feel confused and overwhelmed with navigating the modern dating scene? And we have girlfriends that 100% feel like that. So where do you start unpacking that for people that come and see you? Yeah. So with my one-on-one clients, we always spend the first session going through their past relationship history and experiences. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful for me to get to know them, where they're coming from. And I'm always looking for what are the patterns and what are potential blind spots. So that's a really important starting point. And I've been doing this for over five years now. And so over that time too, I've also seen common themes and patterns emerge. And Some examples of that might be, you know, not being able to get past a certain date or difficulty with building a deeper connection. Trouble with managing boundaries is another big one. Mm. Such an important one, but can often be a bit Mm. confusing for people. And what sort of boundaries? Well, boundaries as you're building a relationship, you know, what's healthy. Some people are people pleasers and they don't have healthy boundaries in place to protect their heart and to pace the relationship in a productive way. And other people have boundaries that are too firm and too high and they're unknowingly often pushing away perfectly good potential partners because they just don't know how to let their heart their guard down. Okay. Mm. Awesome. So sorry, I interrupted your list (laughs) after boundaries. (laughs) Well, just another example. So often too, some people just feel like they just don't know where to start and they don't know how to put themselves out there in a productive way and how to then, if they can make it to, you know, a few months in, how to take that relationship to the next level of commitment. So I'm a mechanic archetype, which means that I love to pull things apart and put them back together and figure out how they work and break things down into practical steps. So that's really how I approach my coaching. And that's what's led to the writing of the book with my father and the building the courses and programs that I have, breaking the process, the dating process down into milestones and focusing chunk by chunk on what's important at each stage. Mm. 
That's uh, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, there's so much to it and I, I would imagine if I was in that situation <laughs> I would feel completely overwhelmed. We have got well, one what, girlfriend in particular. Sorry, Trish, were you going no, to? No, no, no. I was just with talking about this, the steps and the milestones. Melinda and I were having a conversation <laughs> before you arrived and um, we were just saying that when we were single back in the day, <laughs> the glory days, <laughs> as we like to refer to them, <laughs> Um, you know, for a long time there, and we both experienced that, we didn't actually get asked on dates. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if that has changed now, but quite often dating as such didn't seem to be as common. Like you would go out and you would meet someone and you would hope that they would ask for your phone number or call you back. But yeah, it just, it, there wasn't that dating culture that you would see on all the American sitcoms. That's oh, yeah. an interesting point. I know some people I've spoken with over the years have said that dating in some ways seems like a very American concept that we haven't necessarily like embraced here as clearly or it's not as clearly defined here. And yeah, I think it's, there is that culture of hanging out and things kind of slowly building. Yeah, or hanging out, hooking up, hoping someone will give you a call back, you know, like <laughs> you talk about the dating. It's why, like, well, excuse me, why was it ever up to them uh, for 50's sake? Like, oh, no, we should have just... We, we did. Need <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like, I remind you? I think there was a few times we did. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, have we digressed? We Trish? have digressed. Mm. Tiffany, what is the... Let's change the subject very quickly. Violently. <laughs> very quickly. What's the biggest myth about being single in midlife, do you feel? Yeah, I think the biggest myth is that it's all over. It breaks my heart every time when I meet someone who is middle-aged and just feels like, well, I'm single now, therefore I'm always going to be single. And that's not the case at all. One of my favourite clients, in fact, I know I'm not meant to have favourites, but I kind (laughs) of do. She won't mind me sharing this because it's a testimonial on my website that she's generously given me. But when she first came to work with me, she was 69. She'd never had a serious relationship. Um, She worried that she wasn't capable of it. She'd had flings and things throughout her life, but she'd mostly focused on her career and just hadn't really had that committed long-term relationship. And I remember her first email to me, she was so worried that she was too old Mm. and it was so sweet the way that she was like, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to change this in my life, but I'm petrified that you'll just think I'm too old and write me off, which is why I am. I actually work with a lot of clients over 50 and I'm really passionate about that because it is an underservice market and I want you to know that you can find love at any age. So going back to this client, she's now 72 and she's been in a committed, beautiful relationship for the last year Mm. and I'm just so happy for her. That is absolutely divine. Yeah, it is. I'm happy for her too. So am I. I don't even know her. I'm very happy for her. But I think so there's two parts to that. So there's the 50-ishers or the, you know, the midlife women who have never had a long-term or a serious relationship. But then I suppose there's a big percentage of single midlife women who have come out of marriages or long-term partnerships. And they've got to go through that process, don't they? Because there's often a lot of damage that has been done yeah, I think in the especially process. too, sometimes it may not have been their choice to end yeah. that relationship mm, or yeah. there may have been a, so is, you know, an unfaithful 
partner and just those things that really kind of rock your confidence. Jiminy, is there an ideal amount of time between when you come out of a like long-term relationship, whether it be marriage or just a partnership, and when someone should come and see you? Yeah, I can't put a time limit on it because every relationship is different, but I do recommend like for us to work together that you're at a point where you're mostly moved on for that or that you processed that relationship particularly if there was trauma involved it's Mm. important to work with a therapist to help um, move through that Mm. but if you're at a stage where like you're able to accept that past relationship and you're ready for something new and you're feeling that calling then that's a really good place for us to start. Okay so Jivani that's a couple of key points there that they have processed it and reached acceptance and they're in that headspace that they're ready to move forward. So are you the person that actually tells them that? So if they came in and they were still sort of quite Well, I guess they probably wouldn't even come in and see Jiveny if... I don't know. I guess unless they were doing it almost like for revenge, not revenge, (laughs) but, you know, as part of a coping. Trying to catapult them out of their spiral. Yeah. Yeah. I think taking time to process past relationships is really important. And Mm. whether you've been with someone for years or decades or even if it was just a few months, just taking that time to reconnect with yourself because we fall into different patterns when we're in relationships. Sometimes we can, especially if it's a really long-term relationship, we can lose touch with who we are to a certain extent. And it's important to take that time to reconnect with yourself as an individual so that you can make a better choice when choosing a new partner. Mm. When you know yourself, that choice becomes much easier. Yep. Yep. Do you think people do that better in midlife than perhaps younger people? I think the beauty of midlife is life experience, right? And yeah. And being able to reflect upon your experiences and learn from them. So I think there is a a good opportunity there um, that probably comes quite naturally for a lot of people. Mm. And so going back to the people who have never had, uh, like your lovely client, Mm -hmm. your key message to them is you're never too old to find that that wonderful connection with someone. Okay. Yeah. Tiffany, I just touched on this before, you know, we often experience limiting beliefs. Our self-worth can potentially be damaged by rejection and heartbreak. Mm. Part of your coaching involves helping people overcome the blocks and barriers that are sabotaging their romantic life. Can you talk us through the types of blocks and barriers and, and what are some of the warning signs our single 50-ish should look out for? Mm. Yeah. That's a really good question, <laughs> Trish. I think you wrote that one. <laughs> well, it's my turn, though. <laughs> Sorry, Jiminy. Yeah, I can't give you an exhaustive list, but mm. I can go through a few points with you. So I think one of the biggest one is fear. That one comes up. Fear of being mm. hurt again. Yeah, fear, fear of rejection. Of, fear of rejection, but I think to a certain extent fear of being hurt again is maybe a bigger one, particularly if you've particularly if you've come out of a past relationship that was toxic or unhealthy or unsatisfying. Um, yep. Fear of making the wrong choice, mm. that sort of thing. Another big one that pops up a lot in my work is what I call independent woman syndrome. So. <laughs> this is an interesting one, right? too. Yeah, it is. Because on the one hand. It's great to be independent and to be confident in your life and to know where you want to go. But 
it's hard to be in a relationship and independent, right? And the opposite of independence is codependency. That's not the only alternative, though. What we're really reaching for in relationships is to find a state of interdependence. And so sometimes, particularly when people have been on their own for a long time, they get so used to being on their own, they get so used to being independent, that when they start dating, they start often unconsciously they're not necessarily aware of how they're doing this, but they're pushing people away or sabotaging the relationship. And maybe this comes back to fear too, fear of being vulnerable and letting someone Mm -hmm. into your life again, fear of being hurt. But being aware of that independent woman syndrome is really important, Mm. keeping an eye on that. So that'd Mm. definitely be a warning sign. Mm, Yeah. That is really fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's really fascinating. And then the other big one would be just not knowing where to start and particularly if someone's been married for a while and then they've come out and they're ready to start dating again, the game has changed in many ways with online dating and some people just find that really overwhelming and that's something that I can really support people in. Yeah, because I think we touched on it last time we spoke to as well and I actually watched that Tinder swindler swindler (laughs) on the weekend and there's that other, the Dirty John series as well. And I think that really scares people about online dating. And, you know, it is a whole new world. Like there Mm -hmm. was not online dating when Mel and I we're dating. Well, we didn't get asked on dates, didn't we? No, we just said that. We did a few. Come <laughs> on. We've identified that earlier, Trish, that we didn't get asked on dates. Actually, I had to laugh. Gordo and I had this conversation once, you know, we were talking about, you know, like when we first met. Yeah. But, you know, being asked on dates and, and stuff like that. You know, I was here and, he, and he said, well, he said, I have seen you out with your friends and you're not the easiest bunch of girls to go up and have a chat with. <laughs> so we're intimidating. A little bit, yes. Yeah. yeah well, actually, yes. Dave told me that I was intimidating. <laughs> not intentionally. So that's the whole independent woman thing. You know, ah, we're very proud were the vibes to be a we were caving out. Woman. Yes. Mm. So you've shed light on that for us, yeah. Tiffany. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Casting our so minds So I back. guess, um, yeah, off track again, but what would you advise with online dating? What's what's the best way to navigate that? Yeah. Because people do find true love. Like we've got friends. We've got friends, girlfriends who are lovely so romantic happy. stories. Yeah. Yeah, I've had lots of clients find love through online dating. Yeah. And I think... The mindset to go into it is here is an opportunity to, like, to a certain extent dating is a numbers game and here is an opportunity to get those numbers up over a much shorter period of time and to practice your dating skills. Where I see people get into trouble is when they're impatient and they just want to skip to the end, skip to the relationship. I don't want to go on all these dates. I don't want to, like, look at people's profiles and send messages and that sort of thing. So I think mindset is a big thing when it comes to online dating is viewing it as you're on a journey and you're refining your dating and relationship skills and there's no better place to practice than online dating. It's just a great way to meet different people that you wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise. And being curious, isn't it? It's about, yeah, you know. Curiosity is such a key is. word. I think, you know, I think we all have that. A friend of mine who's single has, you know, a pretty, is into manifesting and has, you know, a pretty rigid checklist of what she wants to create or manifest, the, the relationship that she wants to draw to her. And I totally get that. But I think sometimes if you go on that first or second date and, you know, if they're not ticking those boxes on the first date, you don't kind of, you've got to allow that curiosity for them to actually open up 
Because I think in the well, last we podcast, that. didn't we, we said that they the could sixes be and sevens. nervous or, you know. Yeah. That's such a great point and curiosity <clears throat> being the key word because some of the pitfalls of online dating where people get stuck is that they go into it like a bit of a job interview for the perfect partner, right? <laughs> so they've got this mental... What are you doing? What's your five-year plan? <laughs> exactly. Ticking all the boxes, yeah. right? They've got this mental checklist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Show and- us your abs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not showing you mine (laughs) because I don't have any. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and so I saw like this image on online recently about like Tinder fails and this woman had written this profile and it's like must be um, in a successful job, must be good looking, must be willing to pay for everything, must be like this this whole unrealistic list (laughs) that was like this long. (laughs) And she didn't get a date. Oh, I doubt it. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. Absolutely. The other thing with online dating is that it can lead us to make assumptions, particularly based on the little snippets of information that someone's put on their dating profile. And this is why so many people struggle to find chemistry on dates. And so I think realistically, when we're online dating, don't expect to find chemistry on a first date. Just be open to getting to know someone better. This goes back to the sixes and sevens, which we spoke about um, we versus did. the nines and tens, which we spoke about in the other episode. episode. Mm-hmm. So you can refer to that for more. The important thing is that we want to get to know someone and recognize that that level of attraction, that chemistry can build over time through yes. getting to yeah, know someone. Sure. So while we're on online dating, what do you do? Like for our 50s tribe, you know how a lot of people lie on their profile? So they lie about well, their height <laughs> or they might lie about, I don't know, what like their Their lives, their profession, a la the Tinder swindler. Like how do you, how do our 50-ish tribe, you know, 50-ish women, like how do you cut through all of that? Is is there a couple of techniques they could employ to cut out all of that? So this is where patience comes into it because as with the Tinder swindler, like if we take the time to get to know them and don't rush into like, okay, I'm your girlfriend now and, you know, that level of intensity – often lies and things will start to reveal themselves. That's why also when you're online dating, the other tip that I'd have is to date multiple people at once. And that way you're you're getting to know different people. You're learning about, you know, who they are as individuals. You're not too focused or fixated on one person. Mm. And I really recommend that at least for the first eight to 10 dates, you don't commit to someone because Mm. you don't know them yet. Even if you're feeling all of the great vibes, it's important to take that time to really get to know them and to build that trust over time. If you do find out that they're lying, I think it depends. I mean, it's really down to how you feel about it. Something about a man lying about his height, if you still really like him, Mm -hmm. like you can understand some men lie about their height because they just get dismissed straight away because Mm -hmm. of their height. And so that's the kind of lie that you might forgive. Um, But if he's lying about, you know, something bigger than that, about, you know, you find out that he's married after a few dates or something Mm. like that, then of course. That's a big one. That's a red flag. (laughs) It's a big red flag, The biggest red flag of all. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And another interesting point you've made there is to not have an expectation for chemistry to be there right from the word go, that there's just that that interest there, like a level of interest. And I know we talked about this um, when we were, the episode with your dad as well, about the conversation. So they're asking questions. They're curious about you as well. You know, we've got over the nerves where some mm. people just talk about themselves. We've got yeah. over that and they're starting to show curiosity, but you're still like, mm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But just expect that that's probably going to be more likely the case than not and that 
potentially the chemistry will come. Yeah. yeah, and one little mindset shift that I invite people to consider is sometimes when we're going on a first date, we can be a bit on, like a bit standoffish and a bit reserved and a bit like, well, you unconsciously or maybe consciously we're thinking, well, you need to prove yourself to be a great guy before I'm really going to open up and be warm towards you. Mm. And that holding back also kills chemistry. So if we think about it the other way around, how can we create chemistry and how can we build chemistry on a first Mm. date? I think showing up with full warmth from the beginning, giving them the benefit of the doubt. This is also about bringing the best out of someone because if you're going on a date and you're being suspicious of them or not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, we live in a legal system that is based on innocent until proven guilty. Mm. We kind of need to bring that mindset to dating as well because if we're expecting someone to be guilty and waiting for them to prove their innocence, the whole vibe is just going to be off. Yeah. So one little mindset shift that I invite people to think about when they're going on a first date is think about how you would show up to go on a date with a same-sex girlfriend, you know, where the pressure's off. Because I find this dynamic particularly comes out between men and women. So if you're thinking about if you were going on it, if you're a woman and you're going to go on a date with a woman and looking to build that friendship, how would you greet them? And how might that be different to how you greet a man when you're going on a date? How can you bring more warmth, playfulness and curiosity? I love the turning up with warmth. Yeah. Well, it's it makes so easy because you can, you know, yeah. as we've talked about the checklist, you can be so kind of in your head about that. Yeah. And, then, and reserved that and then you're actually coming across as standoffish or she's not judgmental. that interested into me. Yeah. Interested into me. <laughs> you're she's not interested into me. <laughs> I'm not going on another date if you're not interested to me. Well, here's the thing. The other thing that this makes me think of is that old dating advice about playing hard to get or treat a man keep and keep. Oh, yeah. So this whole, like, playing hard to get, I find people uh, misuse it, so right. to speak, in the yeah. sense that if it's you're showing playing up, games, I never mm, hate playing yeah. games. Yeah. Hated. Playing. And so if you're showing up and trying to be all cool and reserved and not needy, so often we have this oh, mental yeah. thing like don't be needy, mm. don't be too warm, don't be too nice, all yes. of that, right? Yeah, just um, be yourself. We go too far in the opposite direction. And so someone that you're on a date with, they're going to feel like, oh, yeah, she was okay, but I couldn't connect with her on a human level. Mm. And while that might be interesting to some people at first, they might, you know, mystery can be intriguing. At a certain point, they might feel like, oh, this is too hard, so I'm going to move on and date someone else who's actually more warm and forthcoming from the get-go. Yep. Geez, that makes sense. So, Mel, I remember Mm. too talking about how do you identify if they're legit or not. Mm. You Google of course, check out their social profile. But the one thing that I do recall from our takeaway from the last podcast was family and friends. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, at that's some a great stage, one, if they're yeah. avoiding getting to meet their family and friends, that's, mm. and I mean, obviously you can't meet them on the second date. Well, well this is a great day, thing but... I suggest around the fifth date. I think the fifth yeah. date is a good time to suggest maybe, I mean, you could create a gathering and tell them to invite their friends or you could, you know, yeah. suggest yep. that you guys get together and meet each yeah. other's friends. Yeah, yeah. Now that's a great, great tip. I'm yes. loving it, loving it. Tiffany, I noticed on your website you have an attraction style quiz. What What is an attraction yeah. style? What can be learnt from this? Because it's not just all about dating. No. It's about attraction as well, which yeah. I'm loving. And, and for all... You listening, if you want to go to Divini's website, we'll put all the details on the show notes and also in our social media where you can actually do this quiz. 
Yeah. So the attraction star quiz has been really fun. It comes from recognizing in my work that everyone has a dating strategy, whether they're aware of it or not. And by strategy, I really mean the habits that we fall into that we really lean on Mm -hmm. when we're dating. And often this is unconscious Mm -hmm. and it can be for better or for worse. Some people have a great dating strategy. Other people don't have a great dating strategy, (laughs) to be frank. You could, you could hear where that Melinda, was going. Right? Melinda, I'm thinking our dating strategy from the late 80s, early 90s, or actually 90s sometime, um, may not have been ideal. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yes, Trish. <laughs> so something that I'm reminded of a lot in my work is the Einstein saying that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I think that's oh. where we may have gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you think? That is brilliant. So the quiz we have designed, my husband has helped me design this. He is a really great collaborator in my work. So we've designed the attraction style quiz to give people some visibility on what their dating strategy might be. And through that, you get a free report that outlines your strengths and your weaknesses. And there are four main different strategies that we're looking at here. One is really based on power. Another one is based on sweetness and playfulness. Another one is based on seduction. And the other one is based on nurturing. And so you might be able to think of some of your mm. friends who rely on each of these tools more than others, right? Yeah, absolutely. So mm. the attraction style quiz helps to illuminate that and will give you some recommendations for how to expand your dating toolkit. Okay, I like that. Does that also help with the type of people you might attract or be attracted to? Yeah, I think there are definitely patterns that arise out of our dating strategy and that's why often people will feel that they're attracting a certain type of person and why does this keep happening to me? And it's ah, yes. kind of because of the way that you're approaching it. I yeah, mean, that's the interesting thing out. about relationships yeah, okay. is it's a two-way street and we're all responding to each other. That's so interesting, mm. isn't it? Yeah, you can, like, you just If only G was around when, in the 90s. <laughs> we needed you, Jim. We needed you. <laughs> <laughs> but we got there in the, in the end. It was the, it was the blind leading the blind. <laughs> we got there in the end, though, Trish. We were giving each other great advice. Oh. <laughs> we did get there in the end we, and we married some beautiful men. So, we did, yes. yes. We did. So, Jevony, obviously the end goal is for a nurturing, passionate, divine relationship. Some singles are often labelled too fussy by some. Mm -hmm. Some singles may feel like they don't want to settle. Or if people are in a relationship, they feel like it's good enough. There's some things that bug them or whatnot, but, you know, what if there isn't anyone else out there for me? You know, at least this is working. Better Mm -hmm. the devil, you know, so to speak. Is an ideal relationship realistically available for everyone? Yeah, there's a few complexities to this question. So first Even of all, getting it out was yeah. one of the <laughs> <a> complex <laughs> questions. The first one is, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> so there are a few complexities to that question. I do believe that everyone is capable or has the potential to experience an awesome relationship, but you've got to be willing to be bold and to do the work. And sometimes that work can be really confronting and quite uncomfortable. So it really comes down to your willingness to work through those things. The other side of it and the complex part of that question is realistically attainable. A lot of 
people may have unrealistic ideals that they're measuring against. Mm -hmm. So that's important to take into consideration. So I do feel that an awesome relationship, a satisfying relationship, one one where you feel secure and safe to express yourself and where you have a lot of fun and that there's a lot of joy within that, absolutely that is attainable. But I think sometimes people need to consider if their mental checklist is realistic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany, you've talked about patterns and things like that, you know, today and and also when you were here with your dad. If there is people out there who have got a pattern of continually choosing the wrong people and having these relationships that end in dramas for them and heartache and heartbreak and all those sorts of things, are there a couple of like just key points or strategies the mental checklist perhaps that you mentioned before, that you could offer them to stop it, Mm. to stop them just continually, you know, it's like one heartache after another heartache after another heartache. How do people stop that? Well, it depends on what the pattern is that's leading to the heartbreak. But I think being reflective, taking that time to think about what can I learn from this and to really be honest with ourselves. One exercise that I think is really useful, it's a very bold exercise. It takes courage, but being willing to ask your friends who know you best what oh. they think, if they if they can see any patterns or any way that they think that you might be sabotaging your relationship. Yep. Now, you can't expect your friends just to tell you this if you're like venting to them about your relationships. They want to be a good friend. They want to hear you out. They want to support you, right? Yeah. So this has to be a separate conversation. And the way that I recommend you do it is you can send them a message, an email or a text or whatever that says, hey, I'm really wanting to grow and to have better relationships. I'd really appreciate if you could take some time to give me some honest feedback. I promise I won't be mad at you. This is like a real opportunity for you to share with me one or two things that you think could help um, that maybe I'm not aware of. Maybe it's one of my blind Mm. spots. And getting that feedback can be so powerful. And I think if they have asked you for it, then you feel in a much better space to actually give them that, yeah, to receive it and also give them Mm. the feedback. Otherwise, as you said, you're just supporting them, aren't you? Yeah. Through the highs and lows and the roller coaster that can be these relationships and, and the constant relationship breakdowns. Yeah, my recommendation is that with that is to make it really clear that you're not, you have to make a commitment and agreement that you're not going to get angry at them yeah, or lash out at them for that. So there needs to be a safe sense of containment. The other thing that I suggest with this exercise is that ask for it in as a written letter so that they have time to put it into the right words and when you receive it, you have time to sit with it. You don't have to like mm. jump into a defensive mode, which is often what we would yeah, do yeah. if we're having that conversation. So give yourself the space to fully receive that. And, and replaying it in your own head if it isn't written down, you can you know, you can screw it around the wrong way and, yeah, how you recall it may not be how it was intended. And exactly. that's, that's the thing. If you risk getting a defensive reaction from your friend, then you're not going to be completely honest, are you? If you that's can the see thing. a pattern. It's a, it's a delicate conversation to have and you need to be willing to take responsibility for that and to create that safe space and to process the response that you get, knowing that 
your friend is giving you this feedback with love yeah. and with the desire to support you and it's actually going to be a much as uncomfortable as it may feel a much faster route to your growth because your friends know you better than any coach or therapist you know that's the true. one thing about working with coaches so coaches true. and therapists it's is true. it's great for an objective opinion yes but we only have to work with what you tell us about yourself which is naturally mm. biased whereas <laughs> your friends will see the patterns and they'll yeah. still love you for it that's yeah, the thing. of course yeah. absolutely got that that's such good advice. It's such good advice. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. If you're willing to open that door. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they start it, don't they? Yeah. They start yeah. the, the conversation. Yeah. So if they start it, then that's a different ball game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. As you said, it's bold and it's courageous. Very it's, courageous. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to stop this cycle mm. of heartbreak, though, then you've got to do something, don't you? You have to yeah. take action. That's yeah. ideal. Yeah. Unreal. Thank Giveny, you. Tiffany, I love the name of the course you created, Alchemy of Attraction. What What is the alchemy of attraction? Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, <laughs> I love I that yeah. name. I think it's very clever. Because it's got that element of woo-woo in it, Trish, that you <laughs> love a bit I of woo-woo. Love a bit of you woo-woo. are the woo-woo girl. <laughs> This is my passion project. It's really come together through, you know, the last five years of my work and seeing these common themes and getting tired of repeating myself, to be honest, but wanting to put it together in a step-by-step framework. So it's a nine-week program. There are nine calls. At the moment, I'm teaching it live. Down the track, it will just be pre-recorded. So So jump on quick, everyone. Yeah, the next round starts at the end of March. Okay. But essentially... This course in this format, The Alchemy of Attraction, is for women who are interested in dating men because a large focus of it is about understanding men better and understanding how the ways in which we present and communicate with men can set us up for dating success or failure. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the course, each week we're focusing on different relationship skills. In the beginning, or really the umbrella focus of this course is about defining the difference between creating or relying on superficial attraction versus sustainable attraction. Now, superficial attraction is the stuff that advertising tells us that we need to be attractive, right? It's very much based on looks and status and that kind of stuff. But as most people understand who've been in a relationship, that stuff is fleeting and it doesn't actually create the foundation for a long-term relationship. So AOA, as I abbreviate it, um, AOA is all about building the relationship skills so that you can foster and nurture long-term sustainable attraction in a relationship. And so we unpack things from, first of all, being able to identify what is a high-quality man because mm-hmm. some people don't know. They don't know um, mm-hmm. what is realistic, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. We also go into boundaries, which is a big thing, how to communicate our boundaries in a healthy way, in a way that actually makes men feel safe. A lot of us as women, it's a tricky thing because we've been conditioned largely to people please. And so yes. often I find um, with women, we either play down our boundaries and don't communicate them clearly enough or we go to the other end of the extreme. We have our guard up. Our boundaries are like constantly up. And so healthy boundaries are really about being able to discern between when they need to be up and when they don't need to and knowing how to communicate them effectively when that time comes. And as women to taking control of the pace of the relationship, because sometimes men will push us to progress a relationship faster than what we're ready for. And we may not want to push them away or shut them down. So sometimes we can get caught up in going along Mm. with it. But I really believe as women, we do have that power and the opportunity if we're willing to take it is 
to set the pace of a relationship and allow it to unfold at the pace that we're comfortable with. Great answer. Yeah. That's awesome. Jivani, you mentioned before you referred to an archetype and I know that in your course you also play with finding people's archetype. What what is an archetype and how does it relate to dating, etc.? Yeah, so in the course we actually work with four different archetypes and I find archetypes are so brilliant to work with because they provide us with a blueprint for a set of maybe character traits that we want to learn to develop. We may not be familiar with them yet, but it kind of gives us a a map or a reference point for us to aim towards. So in the course, there are four key archetypes that I work with. I call them the four key archetypes of feminine attraction, and we need all four of them. So it's not so much a matter of just finding yours, but learning how what we can learn from each archetype. So I'll give you an example. I won't tell you all of them because it's a secret. Okay, yeah, of um, course. But I'll give you an example of one of them that we work with in the course, which is the queen archetype. And the queen is very much first about connecting with yourself, your vision and your values for your life and relationships, because that gives you a much better starting point for choosing a partner. The other aspect of the queen is boundaries. And so being willing to take responsibility for your boundaries, learn how to voice them, everything that we were just talking about. Now, each archetype also comes with a shadow side. And the shadow side of the archetype is the ice queen. And the ice queen is that pattern of behavior where we are going through life with our walls up and unknowingly pushing people away. And so the beauty of archetypes is that it gives us a language to talk about these different patterns, something that we can relate to. And so Mm. I can talk with my students about, you know, bringing more queen energy to dating and their relationships. Mm, It's almost, it's such a good way because like I'm quite a visual person. So when you're, did I say visual or visual? Visual. (laughs) I'm quite a visual person. So when you're talking about that, you know, I can picture that which helps to define what you're actually talking about. Mm. So for each of those, I think that that would be really good for people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great for building our awareness. So each archetype, we have the empowered version, which is like the best version, the archetype at its best, and the shadow side, the ice queen in this case. And so it empowers people to build their awareness of, you know, we're not always going to be a perfect queen, Mm. but it helps us recognise, oh, okay, I'm playing out these ice queen patterns now. What do I need to do to get back into the empowered queen? And why is that important? Mm. That is so good. I know, I know. Single 50 issues, you need to get. Yeah. <laughs> and then we need a course for us married yeah. 50 issues to rig. 20, 20 years down the track. <laughs> Bring That's a bit more to. joy back in. Perfect. <laughs> Sign us up. Oh, sorry, Gordo, do, you, do I need you? <laughs> do you need Gordo's permission? <laughs> do we do it together? <laughs> Jivani, at our usual wrap-up question, we would ask what the 50-ish Jivani would tell the 20-ish Jivani, but because you're so young, we can't do that. So we're going to flip it around. And young but extremely wise beyond who you Oh, yes, yes. But um, so what sort of relationship advice do you think that uh, a more mature Jivani would give your younger self? I think one of the most important, I think <laughs> it's me. It's, it's, you've been close <laughs> to me for too long. <laughs> One of the most important things I've learned along my journey that's really helped me with my dating and relationships is valuing what feels good over what looks good. And I think that's something that we can get caught up in sometimes, particularly I was very much more caught up in it in my early mm. 20s, like just dating guys because they looked good or because they sounded good on paper, but the emotion wasn't there. And then 
conversely, dating other men who maybe didn't have that status or whatever, but the connection was there. And Mm. this ripples through all different areas of my life. I think it's just so important because we do live in a culture that values what looks good so much and to our own demise. Mm. And so taking that time, even within ourselves, like valuing the way that we feel over the way that we look. Yep. Valuing our relationships and the way that they feel over the way that they look. Because sometimes, too, the people that we fall in love with, I did say this in the other podcast, but (laughs) the people that we fall in love with, we may not have picked them from their Tinder profile, from their photos, right? So true. But the energy, that's what really makes relationships and that's what's so important to keep in sight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great answer. Great answer. Jivani, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. And honestly, 50 issues, if you want more of this extraordinary young woman, we are going to leave uh, details in our show notes for Jivani's courses, her website, the book that you wrote with your dad. You're totally awesome. Thank you. That was just 50 and amazing. It was. It Mm. was so interesting. Thank you so much for having me. I wish you were there when we were Single. If only. Mind you, as I said, it turned out all right. Turned turned out all right. We probably could have, yeah, avoided quite a bit of heartache ourselves and and the whole pattern thing. The whole pattern thing. I know. There's all these things Tiffany's been saying and I'm like, yep, did that, yep, did that, yep, no, fell into that pitfall as (laughs) well. absolutely. That's it from us today. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 and email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. And remember our gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we are all 50 and all awesome regardless of age and living is an absolute privilege. So get out there and go dating, ladies. If you're single, (laughs) do it. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 